Alright, so the culling games is finally picking up. I know for a lot of us, you know, of course, including myself, the culling games have felt a bit slow. And I think with Maki's whole story, that added some momentum. And now we have everything that's going on with Sukuna and Angel and Megami. So many interesting things. And we're going to talk about the latest chapter of Chainsaw Man, chapter 105. This chapter has inspired so many memes, so many meme formats. I think that's a mark of a really good artist sometimes. So Fujimoto's art is really easy to meme. And I think it is fantastic that we have another chapter that is leading us forward into this interesting, twisted, and also hilarious story. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Serena in 2D, where we talk about our favorite anime and manga and maybe look a little too deeply into it. Let's get into chapter 199, where we were reunited with our boys, with Itadori and Megami, and also Angel. I was so taken aback when we first were introduced to her here, uh, because I was like, oh gosh, she is going to be so ominous, so terrifying, so interesting. And then she just seemed super chill. But then we learned that that's not really Angel talking. Then it's Hana Kurusu talking, and that there's two, that they are two separate entities and that Angel is cohabitating with Hana and I think that's really cool and we see how it's essentially the same sort of situation with Sukuna though of course Sukuna would take over if he could he would just like completely obliterate Itadori's mind and just take over the whole body but he but he can't because Itadori is literally built to be a vessel for him. Before we get into all that stuff Let's start off with the beginning of the chapter where we're focusing again back on Maki and Noritoshi. And I'm so glad that we're bringing up Maki killing her mom again and how she doesn't feel great about that. She feels a bit of regret, but it's not crushing her. She can still move forward and she knows that what's done is done, but she wants Noritoshi to keep in mind that he should communicate with his mother better, unlike what she did. Noritoshi is struggling with his identity and I think we're going to see him have some sort of arc. Uh, I'm hoping we see him reunite with his mother, or if he grows in some other way where he doesn't really need to reunite with his mother, I think that would be great to see. Because we saw how, like with Maki, when she finally felt free of her family, of all of the thoughts that have been weighing her down, how she was afraid to finally tap into her own excellence, after she, all of that was gone, she became a higher and more elevated version of herself. And I definitely feel like Noritoshi needs to get to that point. He needs to uh, do that inner work so that he can be a better fighter as well. And can we take a minute to acknowledge how confident Maki looks? Her shoulders are back. She looks like a freaking hero. She's lugging around Noritoshi, talking about she's going to pick up the other characters as well. She's just such a girl boss. We love Maki. A big reoccurring theme in Jujutsu Kaisen is self-identity. And we have characters like Nobra and Maki who know who they are, but we have characters like Noritoshi who's been defining himself by being the heir of the Kamo clan. And so I think we're going to see him start to blossom into his own character and maybe we'll see him get somewhere to the level of Maki in terms of self-assurance and self-love. And in Jujutsu Kaisen, we see attachments being a bad thing or being overly attached to being a bad thing like with Rika and Yuta and so I think if he's too attached to his mother that could also be a bad thing so I would love to see him grow before meeting up with his mother if he is going to meet back up with his mother and because his mother did leave such a large burden on him 
And of course, that burden is really similar to Yuji's burden that was left to him by his grandfather of using his strength to protect people. You've got so much potential, Noritoshi. You can help a lot of people. You'll be respected by those you save, and then you'll be the one who will receive help when you need it. You'll only be alone for now. Become a great jujutsu sorcerer, and please come find me one day, okay? I think we're going to start seeing Noritoshi start to make decisions based on what he thinks is right. Because remember when he was talking to Megami during the Goodwill event, uh, Megami was like, I do not care about all this stuff. Like, I'm not all doing stuff just for the clan, blah, blah, blah. I'm making decisions based on what I think is right. It does not matter if other people are going to think it's good or bad. I'm going to do what I think is right, even if it's not the right thing to do. Meanwhile, Noritoshi, of course, based all of his decisions around what a good clan leader would do. For people like Maki who have already been exiled, who have already been uh, pushed out of these rigid systems, she's had to think for herself. And I think she can help Noritoshi grow as a person. Alright, let's fast forward to our boys. What is my boy drinking? What is Itadori drinking in that wine glass? He was having so much fun like in that nice little robe, in the presidential suite or whatever, governor's suite, whatever he's in, just looking fancy. I was so thrown off when we get to this. I was like, oh gosh, it's going to be so serious when we get to Angel and Itadori and Megami. And they're just having a good time. Takaba's got ice cream. They're eating snacks, you know, just chilling, catching Megami up on what happened. You know what else is funny? Um, how Akutami said that they feel like they'll die if they don't draw half-naked macho men. Well, with Takaba, he's literally half-naked. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm sure they have a lot of fun drawing him. Like, he's... I'm like, Akutami, I knew, I knew you love to draw your shirtless buff men. And now we have one that is just <laughs> literally half naked. So unfortunately, I saw some leaks before the chapter came out. I did not want to see them. But when I saw Angel with like a mouth on the side of her face, I was like, don't tell me like Sukuna can hop bodies now, like go into other vessels or something and took over Angel. But luckily that's not what happened. And something more interesting, or I guess it's more interesting, whatever, I like it, um, happen we see that angel is inhabiting the body of hana and hana's like a just a regular human being or i mean they i okay so i believe that hana is a jujutsu sorcerer who knew megami somehow like i don't think they she's just like a regular person who could just be a good vessel for um angel because we have angel saying to answer your question the reason hana saved you is because previously and then you know, Hana stops angels like, la, 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 don't listen, don't listen, and doesn't want people to know what their relationship is. I'm like, what's going on there? I'm guessing because Hana saved Megami, it, that maybe Megami saved Hana at some point. Also, I'm a little, I'm a little skeptical of Angel. I don't know. I feel like this is a little too easy. You know, the whole like, oh, I'll, I can do all this stuff for you, but I also want to get rid of all of the, um, you know, reincarnated uh, players in the game and how they say like oh pay no mind to the whole like calling their beliefs god thing like oh it goes against god it goes against my beliefs i think it's interesting though that we are pulling in more like christian insp inspired things into the story because i felt like we were just kind of towing the line and i never really wanted to talk about it too much because this series is so deeply rooted in its buddhism i don't want to think that something feels like christianity but really ties into buddhism and i do my best to research these things but 
you know, it's it's a sensitive religion's a sensitive topic, but now it's like some clear stuff, right? And I'm gonna talk about I'm gonna talk about our boy. I mean, well, Sakuna. <laughs> Sakuna's cool. I think Sakuna's pretty cool. So, but if I call him my boy, it's not because I, I I sign off on his actions. All right. But Hana needing their help to get rid of those players does make sense, even though Hana feels very OP with being able to nullify any jujutsu techniques and barriers and all that fun stuff. Um, but that's mostly just defensive and not really offensive. But I'm like, see, y'all don't use enough practical weapons. That's why Toji's able to show up and just do shit and like murk people. Give Angel a gun. <laughs> if Angel had a gun, I don't know. I think they could get through a couple of those reincarnated sorcerers that they want dead. Okay, and I read both versions now. I read both the official Viz release and the unofficial translations just because, unfortunately, the official translations seem to be a bit closer to the actual Japanese, and they keep all the fun little subtitle things at the end of the chapters that get you excited for the next chapter. So we sometimes... So in the official version, it's uh, Angel calling Sukuna the disgraced one. But in the unofficial translations... It's the fallen one or the fallen. And that works so much better. And I've looked at people um, deconstructing the kanji and how like the fallen really is much closer than the disgraced one. And what I love about this, because Sukuna, of course, is like, I'm the disgraced one. I'm the fallen, you know, tells Itadori that. I love that it feels like we're drawing allusions to him being like Satan. I think that's kind of interesting since we have the whole angel thing and talking about God and then Sukuna being this fallen one, this disgraced one. So I'm ass assuming that him and Angel were maybe in the same group at some point. Like they were both Jujutsu sorcerers, maybe during, I guess during the same time period, maybe even. And something happened and he was either kicked out or he defected, he left on his own. And now he's known as the disgraced one and or the fallen one and that's you know it feels very lucifer satan type of thing and if it's a lucifer thing now that would be really interesting because he would have been like loved and um seen as been like something very you know beautiful or special and then he has this fall from grace what is this all going to mean for itadori though Something interesting about Itadori is that, of course, he is already very self-sacrificial, and that's why he's doing all of this in the first place. He's ready to die to protect other people. So would he die in order to protect Gojo, in order to unseal Gojo? Uh, I doubt it, though. Um, also, Megumi, I'm sure, would not allow that to happen. So even if everyone found out that Sukuna is the fallen one, like, who's going to kill him? Like, it's not going to be not gonna be Megumi, you know? He, he wouldn't do that. I think we could see next chapter Itadori and Sukuna plotting something, trying to come up with something. And of course, Itadori's not going to allow Sukuna to hurt anyone or do anything too crazy. But imagine having to see Itadori lie. Like, are we going to see that? Is he going to be a little, you know, a little furtive? Like, what, what do we need to see? We need to talk about Sumiki. I haven't heard many people talking about her in reference to the latest chapter. But we know that she is someone who has been either given a cursed item, has consumed it like a Sakuna finger sort of situation, or she has had her brain altered so that she can now utilize a cursed technique. Akutami loves tragedy and irony, and so I know we're going to see some of that being brought up with Sumiki's character and with her story. 
but the question is how. So if you don't already know this, a lot of Jujutsu Kaisen has references to the ocean, to the sea, and especially the culling game. The culling game is a reference to a time where tropical fish come into the Sea of Japan and they mate in the waters when it's warm, but they're unable to leave once it gets colder and they die. So they die this sort of premature death and they're doomed upon entry. Once they go in there, they're not going to make it out. They're going to die. Seriously, keep an eye out for how many times we see the ocean or the beach brought up. I made a video about it and it's one of my favorite videos, but what I wanted to talk about is Sumiki's name. The characters that make up her name are Port or Harbor for the Sue part, Beautiful for me, and Chronicle for Key. Her name referencing a port or a harbor makes me think that she's going to be a big point of conflict or just a very important part of the story. And it also reminds me of how the fish come into this area, kind of settle into this area that they're going to, you know, where they're going to die. And so it's almost like a harbor and that it's a place that people are come to. And so I think this is going to be something big. And we know that Megami's heart is so tied to his sister. And because, okay, I know a lot of people don't know this, right? Sumiki was essentially Megami's caretaker. When we talk about Gojo and his relationship to Megami throughout his life, he was not raising Megami. Not really. He trained him and he provided for him and his sister. He, you know, took care of everything financially, but Sumiki was the one raising her little brother, um, you know, her stepbrother. And uh, she's only about a year older than him. You know, anime, we get used to seeing kids living by themselves or kids raising kids. And Megami has a lot of guilt around how he treated Sumiki. And just how he caused a lot of trouble growing up. He got into a lot of fights. And of course, that's because he has that strong sense of justice. But it caused a lot of stress and anguish for Sumiki. Like, remember when she threw that juice box at him? Because <laughs> she was mad that he was getting into fights again. And, it was, and that was right before the whole bridge incident where she would end up in a coma. And of course, we know that Sukuna has some sort of plans for Megami. But I'm wondering what... Kenjaku's plans are for Megami. I think that Kenjaku wants Sukuna to succeed in whatever he's trying to do with Megami, especially because when we go back to one of the other chapters back in the Shibuya arc, he says, Are you listening, Sukuna? It is beginning once again, the world of Heian, the golden age of cursed techniques. And of course, he created Itsudori and seemingly created him to be a vessel for Sukuna. And if we look at the fan-translated last page, after we have Sukuna saying, I am the Fallen, we see the little subscript saying, Sukuna reveals himself, things divulge into chaos. And ooh, that gets me super excited for the next chapter. I hope Akutami really is going to deliver on the chaos part, because when you say chaos, I'm thinking Shibuya, and that was crazy. So if we're going to start moving into that kind of pacing and that kind of craziness, I'm actually super excited. Also, like we've all been wanting, is some Sukuna backstory. I think we're going to start getting some more of that. Overall, this was a great chapter. I think it had everything that we usually want, especially since there's setup. It's getting us excited, but we also are getting some answers. Now let's go to Chainsaw Man chapter 105. Wow, uh, I don't think anyone saw this coming with Yuko. I'm sure some people were like, oh, Yuko could turn out to be evil or something, but... We were not expecting uh, something along the lines of what we're used to seeing in America about to go down. 
everyone was making pumped up kicks jokes if you're not familiar it's a song by foster the people and it's about a child going to school and you know killing other kids that they're jealous of because they had pumped up kicks you know if you're from the 90s like me then you remember shoes that you could pump up and so it's like a jealous kid shooting anyway so everyone's been doing this pumped up kicks jokes and then I remembered that Yuko really does have a connection to shoes. She's the one who gave Asa some shoes to to wear after Asa's shoes were covered in raw chicken. So yeah, that, that connection works a little bit too well. She really turned to Asa and said, don't come to school tomorrow. After talking about taking care of the bullies. Um, wow. And so what I love about this is that she's not out of character. I think I've seen some people say things like, oh, this was like, she made a 180. No, no, not really, right? Like, we, first of all, we don't know her that well. And Asa surely didn't either. And uh, even, like, when she started to learn, like, oh, you don't have any friends? It's like, uh-oh. So she's a, she's a loner, huh? Okay. And then we learn that she has this sort of justice that, you know, it aligns with the type of justice she was talking about in one of the previous chapters, uh, but the type of justice she's talking about is just killing children who bullied Asa. Not threatened her life, but, like, just bullied her. Wow. And see, back after the first chapter, I made a video about how, how justice is most likely going to be a theme throughout this. Because we already were seeing it being brought up in the early parts of the first chapter with uh, the talks about corruption and things being built against code and blah, blah, blah. And then, of course, we see a girl who has a contract with the justice devil and it gives her, you know, all those gross powers. And I guess we're going to see Yuko go through a similar transformation. And, uh, of course, with this chapter two, we have um, we have our Yoru asking or talking about how she wants to lure a devil to the school in order to find Chainsaw Man. And uh, I guess we know how Yoru is going to see who Chainsaw Man is now because if our um, if our Yuko makes it to school <laughs> to do what she's planning to do, then Denji is most likely going to transform and try and take her down. I am speculating that we're going to see Yuko get turned into a weapon because we had Yuko or we had Yoru saying how, of course, guilt can make a weapon stronger and if that person loves you. And of course, we see how dedicated Yuko is to Asa. And Asa, of course, would feel guilty still about turning Yuko into a weapon. One thing I'm not a fan of is how it seems really easy for these teenagers to make contracts with devils. Before, like back when Mahima was in control in part one and everything, it seemed like you had to be a part of some sort of organization, you know, to have these contracts. And they had a bunch of devils like underground and blah 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 but like this justice devil just getting around it, it's just going around to high schoolers and like hey hey kid want to beat up some people like what's going on justice devil i'm wondering if we're going to meet the actual justice devil because this is this is a bit weird and you guys know i love to talk about sequential framing especially in chainsaw man and man was it on point it was so well utilized it makes you feel like Asa like you don't know what's going on like your friend tells you oh I just killed someone and it's just framed like everything else same little small frame and Asa you know like a lot of people your your friend's like oh yeah I killed someone you're like oh really ha who was it you know like a joke 
but there was no joke. It was it was the truth. She was like, yeah, want to see the body? It's in the backyard. And with Yugo, it seems like she is low income. Like, uh, you know, we have all these really congested apartment complexes. And I love that this is like a big part of the, the just the environment for part two. And it's very heavily featured in the cover art and the inside cover art for uh, the, uh, for volume 12, which looks stunning. And if you haven't seen it, I love the artwork that um, Fujimoto has done for that. But at the base of all of these giant, congested, tightly woven um, apartment complexes, we see these almost like shanty type homes. They look very small. You know, they seem to be in disrepair. And that's where Yuko lives. So she's probably low income maybe doesn't have a family life or a strong family life and she's definitely off mentally and the thing is i myself included um myself and some other people have been speculating that she was related to one of denji's bodyguards i don't have his name pulled up right now but he basically looks like her he died um he had a contract with the stone devil but I'm guessing that they're not related because she seems so poor and alone and she probably would have brought up her brother dying, especially when they were talking about secrets and how Asa, you know, has opened up to her about losing her parents. Another thing I liked visually about this chapter is how it takes place during the evening because that calls back to Yuko's name. So if you didn't know, Asa means morning, though the kanji for Asa isn't for morning isn't used for Asa's name, it's written in katakana, but anyway, Asa means morning, Yuko means evening, and then Yoru means night. And so we have, you know, morning, evening, night sort of situation. And the sun is setting and we see just everything become a lot darker as it becomes darker in the setting. And I think that was really well done. And I just love the spread where... (laughs) spread yeah where asa is like sitting with like her legs open in that chair and she's just like leaning back (laughs) and sitting with yuko of course people have had so much fun with photoshop and like putting other people in the chair next to asa and asa making fun about how she looks like hi or whatever and i think that's really hilarious but going back to the whole justice thing i am wondering why we are doing like a theme on justice and war I'm going to be really interested to see how these two interact with each other, these concepts. And oh my gosh, the war devil. She doesn't feel very warlike, <laughs> at least not recently. The first chapter, she was like, oh yeah, badass. I'm going to make you vomit up nuclear weapons, chainsaw man. And now she's like crying into her pillowcase, and throwing tantrums and be like, I'm not stupid. You're stupid. <laughs> and she's just really immature. And I think that's an interesting take on the concept of war or like this embodiment of war. And I, I'm excited, you know what, I'm really excited to see the next chapter and I'm, ex- I'm expecting at some kind of cool action scenes, you know, of course Yuko most likely being turned into a weapon. Um, and, and a lot of the weapons we see that people get turned into, or at least so far, they have the looks of the person. So I don't know if they have like Yuko's head or something. It's gonna be macabre, it's gonna be creepy. But I do think that we're going to see Asa, or I guess War Devil, and Chainsaw Man team up. I think they're going to work together on this one. And then they're going to have some kind of conversation. But I'm excited for an an amazing fight scene. Something bombastic and cool. I could even see, like, the school getting partially destroyed. Um, It's going to be cool. I'm so excited for that. And Dinji's whole idea of justice 
is you know very selfish as well so we have like these three characters you know asa yuko and dinji who have these like interesting views on justice and just kind of doing what feels right to them and for dinji <laughs> he's not interested in saving men and of course that ties back to his whole trauma um throughout his childhood being abused by men and then him constantly seeking out motherly figures in his life and girlfriends things like that so he's warmer towards women because he didn't have a mother figure and then colder towards men because he was abused by so many men while he was growing up. I also love how Dinji has a soft spot for animals and of course we see that play out when he saved the cat in part one when he was reintroduced instead of saving the boy and the car full of elderly people and you know he's always had that soft spot for small animals we saw it with Pochita and he most likely is reminded of power when he thinks about cats and he takes care of a cat now too. You know what I love too? The fact that we see with both Chainsaw Man and Jujutsu Kaisen this idea of just doing what feels right even if other people will judge you and think that it's wrong but just trusting your heart. Of course Megami that's such a big part of his character and he's like I'm not a good guy. I'm not trying to be a good guy or a hero. I'm just gonna do what feels right to me. And of course, that was saving Itadori and, you know, doing whatever he needs to do to save his sister, too, which let's see what plays out there. Right. Um, that's another reason why I feel like it's going to be such a big part. Like Megami's so powerful. And if someone messes with Sumiki, what would he do to them? Um, what will he do to protect his sister? And then, of course, like we just talked about with Chainsaw Man, we've got this idea of justice and we have Asa, who will save a cat during a typhoon or with the typhoon devil attacking. Dinji, who will save a cat instead of uh, various types of humans. We have Yuko, who will go to her school and kill school bullies just because they were bullying someone because that was her brand of justice. Plus, she, you know, she killed her neighbor simply because he was using his disability money to gamble. And so she's just got like this really twisted view on on doing anything that's wrong you, you f up you deserve to die you know so i think it's interesting that these at least these two new gen series are like bucking the system they're like i don't care about the what the general population thinks i'm going to trust who i am and that could be a really powerful message for the young readers of shonen jump um but i, I think it'll be interesting to see how chainsaw man especially handles this since we have, you know, this character who, Yuko, when we, oh my gosh, when we get these flashbacks of Yuko talking to Asa and it's so inspiring, like, oh, I'm going to trust myself and do what's right. That's what allowed Asa to get back up and keep running and trust herself. But now we see that she's really skewed in her view of justice. So anyway, we had some great chapters come out this week. We are still looking forward to the Chainsaw Man anime coming out October 11th. I cannot wait. We've seen teasers and trailers. It looks fantastic. Um, you know, there's a few people complaining about the CG, but I doubt it's as bad as people say it is. <laughs> and of course, they have to rely on CG. Like the Chainsaw Man model, it would be really expensive to to keep drawing over and over again 2D. And the 2D animation that we've seen is stunning. Come on, guys. But thank you for tuning in for another episode of 3 in 2D. And if you are able to comment or rate, please do that. And thank you so much for all of your support. I really appreciate it. And I hope to see you in the next episode. 